0: Hey, what's up, guys? It's uh, Jesse back again with the Bacon Games podcast, episode number two. Um, Just doing a recap of last week, basically the playoffs, um, the coaching carousel that's been happening, and just a little bit of baseball news that I found interesting over the past week. Um, So let's get started with the Bills and the Texans first. What a good game the Bills Texans was! Um, It was crazy. It was fun to watch. I feel like it set the tone for the entire weekend and put the ratings pretty high up Um, this was the highest wildcard weekend playoff ratings that we've had since 2016. And I look back at the 2016 scores. They're all pretty meh. I think nothing really too exciting. Um, The giants played in it. I remember that was the last time they were in the playoffs and they lost to the Packers. Um, I think the high ratings this weekend were probably because of the Patriots and they have the biggest fan bases. I would believe Uh, it's the second biggest according to Forbes, but I don't really know how you measure that super well. Um, And, this is the first time they didn't have a buy since uh, 2009, which makes a lot of sense if they're playing in Wild Card Weekend, right? Uh, anyway, so the game was um, a masterclass in entertainment from the fact that this went to overtime. It's, and this is the first time two teams played in an overtime game in Wild Card Weekend ever, which is pretty cool. Um, and the final last significant play being a broken sack bootleg for like 40 yards to Taiwan Jones from uh, Watson, which I think was pretty cool. Uh, overall, the Bills' defense um, and Coach McDermott, I thought, really deserved to win, but the second-year quarterback and Josh Allen did not come through in the clutch multiple times in this game. Uh, nevertheless, the Bills, I think, have a bright future and can absolutely be back next year. Um, so I'm rooting for them. I think to hopefully fuck over the Patriots and finally win that division. Um, let's see the Texans. The offensive line was pretty trash, and given the fact that they gave up a ridiculous amount of draft capital for Tunsil and panic-picked Tyson Howard after the Eagles swooped in and took Andre Dillard in the draft is troubling, to say the least. Last year, Watson was sacked the most of any quarterback, and this year they allowed the 25th most sacks in the NFL per football outsiders. Uh, So, yeah, the offensive line, I think, is going to struggle the rest of the playoffs. Um, The defense really wasn't doing it for me against Josh Allen, who kind of beat himself. Um, So when they go up against uh, Pat Mahomes and Tyreek Hill, it's going to be different than playing against Josh Allen and John Brown. You know, good luck to the Texans next week, but I really think they're in it for a bad time. Um, I'm I'm looking at the line. The look, not even the look at the lines. That's actually out. I think it's nine and a half points. I might consider taking the Texans there, but man, the defense looked bad and I know Mahomes is going to come out there firing with Tyreek. So we'll see. Um, let's move on now to the Pats and the Titans. So I know I just spent like part of that segment talking about the Patriots, but let's actually talk about the Patriots and Titans. Um, I don't think many people are saying the dynasty is over but i feel like that's kind of implied by a lot of the commentary around this game so when we look at the patriots going forward brady isn't under contract they had a coach sniped by the giants who handled belichick's special teams and josh mcdaniel's was also said to be interviewed by other nfl clubs including the giants who um who ended up with uh the guy they sniped and we'll talk about him later um so this is also besides the fact that this is the worst Patriots finished since they were eliminated in the wild car round in 2009 by Baltimore. Um, and honestly, throughout the year, Brady looked to be replacing replacement level off their quarterback. I think he ended up 20th in QBR. I, I don't know if that's a real a real, uh, fact, but I did hear that bandied about today. Um and on other recaps uh about this game. So anyway, uh yeah, besides that, I know we keep talking about Brady too, but getting to the game, he did fail to lead his team on a fourth quarter comeback. Um, and failed to get 20 points at home against the 9-7 Titans. Now the Titans are probably better, or obviously better without Tannehill than they were with Mariota, and 9-7 isn't probably an accurate reflection of how good they are, but it still says a lot. Um, And I think there's a lot of bet going on here. I expect Belichick to make some big offseason moves because they need a new QB, they need a new wide receiver core uh, as soon as possible, so when Brady is actually moving on, we don't really know if he's gone. I suspect... Him and Belichick will be there until Brady retires, but if he does move on, they need a quarterback immediately. If he doesn't move on, they need someone like they had Jimmy G like five years ago or whatever it was, Um, but they do need new wide receivers. They went through like six this year that didn't do anything. Um, Let's see. Now, re the Titans. Um, I'm pretty happy uh, for them, which is crazy for me to say as a Jaguar fan, but I'm happy that they beat um, the biggest AFC powerhouse in the last decade, and I like Tannehill. Uh, Tannehill is always my guy in Nashville since the beginning of the year. You can check out my ball predictions. Um, I didn't think Vrabel would put Tannehill in so early, but I'm so glad that he did. And it was, I think pretty, uh, a good sign of, um, a good, a well-coached team there. Good coach team. That means fucking nothing. Uh, anyway, so I, I was pretty happy that Tannehill was, was put in early in the season or early enough that they could make the playoffs because he definitely deserved to be there. Um, the defense in Tennessee is really good and the offense is probably fine as long as they run the right zone schemes for Derrick Henry. Um, and Tannehill can stay safe behind the offensive line because we know how well Tannehill does when he has time to throw and when he doesn't it's it's a marked difference like even more than most quarterbacks um so anyway I liked uh the Titans as finally to wrap this all up I like the Titans as a 1 to 100 early line for the Super Bowl um and I still don't hate it now the AFC is a lot more wide open than the NFC Okay, let's talk about Minnesota versus New Orleans. I said it once and I'll say it again. Anyone in the NFC is good enough to make it to the Super Bowl besides the Eagles. New Orleans was. The Eagles definitely weren't with all their injuries. Um, Cousins put on a show and had a great final drive and now has more playoff wins than Carson Wentz. I don't know what that says, but whatever. Um, I think he's finally starting to shake off the perception, or rather the dumb perception, that he can't win in primetime. Uh, I would direct every Kirk Cousins hater out there to watch Brett Coleman's video on YouTube regarding Cousins called Kirk is not the problem. Uh, to really get some context on why Cousins is saddled with the Cognomen primetime failure, but doesn't deserve it. Um, I do want to acknowledge the significant or insignificant... No, it's it's significant call or no call at the end of the game. Um, I think it was a push-off. But the refs usually let players play in the playoffs because that's more exciting. You don't want the game to get bogged down by calls. But it was the end of the game, so I could see why people would be, oh my god, they fucked this up, they fucked over New Orleans again. But... You know, the the game-winning touchdown happened and everyone went off the field. I don't know how you bring everyone back and review that play and then do it again. I did hear that the refs reviewed the call, but um, even if they did, I don't think they were ever going to overturn that. It would have been better if it was a penalty call on the field, and then they could review it and then possibly overturn it. But otherwise, you had to just let the game go. Um, To to be honest, also, New Orleans didn't exactly deserve to win this game like they have in the past when the refs skewed them over. Uh, Minnesota outplayed them on defense. Kirk looked good most of the day, except for some Aaron throws, as he's apt to do, and Delvin Cook was impressive as ever. Uh, like I said in the above, almost every one of these squads looks like a title contender this year. Um, and Minnesota was no exception. The Eagles were the only exception. But anyway, I mean, to end this um, this little tirade about Minnesota, they were my NFC champion pick to play New England in the Super Bowl, so they're still alive, and I feel pretty good about it. Um, now I can move on to the Eagles-Seattle game, which... I don't even want to talk about. Okay, let's talk about the Eagles in Seattle. Uh, Firstly, I love how this game ended up 17-9, just like it did in the regular season, and it was in uh, Philadelphia both times, and the game wasn't as close as the score made it seem both times, which I find pretty funny. Um, The first game, I'm pretty sure I I didn't check this, but I distinctly remember Philadelphia uh, scoring a touchdown on the last play, and in this game, Josh McCown was never going to get it done, and this offense was never going to get it done, and that defense was never going to get it done, mostly because of the injuries. Um, And Seattle was, you know, obviously more healthy. But anyway, let's talk more about Josh McCown. And as much as I like or would have liked him to win, Mm. uh, this was never going to happen. It's semi-fitting that after losing almost at least almost or at least one or two players um, in each position in each position group, Philadelphia finally lost um, a quarterback. (laughs) It's pretty sad, but pretty fitting. Um, I would honestly feel sad or you know, maybe disappointed or something in Philadelphia if they didn't win a title two years ago. So I don't feel bad for them at all. Um, But let's get back on track and I should stop shitting on Philly for a little bit. Um, Let's talk about Russ. He obviously had better weapons. The Seattle defense was a lot better um, compared to Philly. And he obviously had DK Metcalf, who I don't understand how he went the end of the second round. I think that's crazy. Looking at the receivers, he went behind, including JJ Arthago Whiteside. I, I find that, mostly insane and incredible especially when he was predicted to be a top 32 pick i just don't understand it people are crazy and i just really hope that the this performance was able to hush or silence most of the doubt because it's on national tv it's just it's dumb when when people just look at combine numbers especially the three cone drill. i know that was the big big issue the big meme was his three cone drill was so bad but it doesn't mean anything when dk can run five routes really well he can burn guys deep and he can win jump balls nothing else really matters um everyone fits into a certain niche into an offense and DK excels at what he does and we can watch him do it for the next 3 years at least with Russ. So, I'm just pretty happy with his performance and I wanted to talk a little bit about DK, but overall Seattle was going to win this game coming in even I think with Wentz hurt because of all the injuries on Philadelphia. It it just wasn't going to happen. Um, I do want to note that I am friends with a Browns fan. I'm a Jaguars fan. Obviously, I'm friends with the Eagles fans, because I watched the Eagles game with them. And I'm friends with Jets fans. Maybe he wasn't on the Giants, but he was on all five of those teams, which I think is pretty funny. And he is like 43, but still, McCown, uh, McCown is really the tournament uh, quarterback of our age, the Gus Ferrat of our age. Anyway, um, let's move on to some coaching hires. Okay, moving on to coaching hires. Um, I feel conflicted talking about coaching hires, because... It's a difficult thing to judge. It's a really difficult thing to judge and grade because we don't have nearly as much information as we do about players because we get to see them play as we do about coaches because a lot of coaches do is, you know, in between preparing for games and stuff like that. Um, So I'm hesitant to give any of these coaching hires like an A plus or like a B or like a C or like an F because I really don't know how to grade them appropriately. I don't know where the rubric is. You can definitely find the rubric on how to scout players if you pay for like a PFF uh, subscription or something like that. But anyway, let's let's talk about McCarthy. Um, I like the hire. He's the one I'm going to actually say that I think I like the most, probably just because of his track record, right? I like the idea of the coaching camp. I think that was pretty cool. Um, He was just getting paid by the pack to like sit back and create his own club as like the 33rd team to just, you know, keep up to date and keep scouting players for his eventual return to the league. Um, I also love that from the rumors last year that he only wanted the Jets job and had no interest in the Browns, the Jets ended up finishing with a seven and nine record while the Browns finished a six and ten record. And the Browns are probably more of a dumpster fire with the Jets, even if they have more talent. Um anyway, uh McCarthy's got some really great talent around him in Dallas. I think he has more talent in Dallas right now than he had on the Packers the, in the past three years, probably since he made the playoffs and he beat the Giants, like I mentioned before. Um I think McCarthy will win more games than Garrett. So I think this is a good hire for Dallas. I also, as much as I probably like analytics more than I like old school coaches, I think bringing some stability to a program is always good, especially when Garrett's transition was not smooth, and he ended up signing a one-year deal last year, I believe. So there wasn't a lot of, you know, cohesion or... Um, consistency going in season to season. I think McCarthy will bring that to the team. So I'm, I'm pretty happy about the signing. Moving on now to Matt Rule. Uh, the first thing I want to note about this is the length of the deal, seven years, 62 mil for a guy that most layman NFL fans probably haven't heard of, especially since he wasn't even like a coach at a big school before coming to the NFL. I, I just think it's, it's a massive deal. I don't know really what to give him as a grade for a hire. I think it seems pretty good as I'll go into like a little bit in a second but i mean seven years 62 mil is pretty crazy although i guess it's not much for like these billionaires owner billionaire billionaire owners but whatever uh so i wasn't too familiar with the rules uh coaching career so i took a quick look at the two college programs he took over um that was temple and baylor uh so let's see basically at baylor he was there for three years 2017 to 2019 he took them from 111 in 2017 to 11 and three um two years later which is pretty impressive um so I was I was impressed at that and then I checked his temple record um and he turned them from a 2 and 10 team in 2013 to a 6 and 6 team in 2014 then to a 10 and 4 team then to a 10 and 4 team again. It's a pretty nice pattern to establish that he was able to take over two failing clubs, I would call them failing. They were 11 or 1 and 11 and 2 and 10 um and he finished with double digit wins. 2 years later for both of them. I think that's a, a decent enough pattern, but again, correlation does not equal causation. But it's a it's a good enough pattern if you're if you're hiring a young guy, he's got a pretty good track record. So, I would say I'm pretty happy about it or I'd be happy about it if he was coming to Carolina, if I was a Carolina fan. He obviously is going to Carolina. Um so let's just call this impressive, even though college is obviously a lot different than the NFL. I didn't know about him that much and now I like him a decent amount. So, let's go with that. Um, let's also now move on to Joe Judge, the Giants new boy. And apparently I wasn't the only one who was seriously surprised about this and confused because I had never heard his name before, just like I think most people did, especially NFL laymen, right? Um, I googled Joe Judge, um, Giants, and I saw two articles that said, in quotations, here's everything you need to know about Joe Judge, end quotations. And, uh, there was another article from ESPN about a week ago that said the Giants might be interested in him. So I wasn't the only one obviously looking for information on Joe Judge, right? Let's let's be honest with ourselves, right? Um, I guess the only two interesting things, you can read more about, you know, other superfluous thing that people bring up about Judge, but I, I'm sorry, yeah, about Judge is the, um, excuse me, uh, is that he was with New England's, obviously as a wide receiver and special teams coach, and he coached at Alabama. Two inning programs under two coaches, I guess you can call them from the same coaching tree, but whatever, I, I wouldn't call it that unless, unless they've been coached under Belichick. I wouldn't call it the same coaching tree. But that's me. Um, the only thing that's odd is this seemed kind of like a panic move after Rule was signed by Carolina. Um, they just went out, and they were supposed to interview McDaniels, and then they just ended up sending Judge. Uh, he also was coaching the England wide receiver corps, and I don't think most people thought the wide receiving corps was good this year. So it's just a little odd that they would do this. I, I, I felt like it was weird. Um, anyway, let's move on to baseball news. I think we're done with football for now. Let's move on to baseball news. And I want to talk about a new thing that I'm going to be doing at the end of podcasts going forward. Okay. Baseball news. Is there any kind of, not really. I saw the White Sox signed their number one prospect or the number one overall prospect in the MLB to a big deal. Um, I'm pretty okay with that. I like the Braves did with Acuna last year, or I'm pretty sure it was last year Either That or the other day before. I'm pretty happy with that. I generally think that's a good thing for clubs to do. Money isn't really an object, especially to a uh, team. I think like Chicago, that's a big market. I assume Chicago is. Anyway, besides, besides signing their prospect, who I hadn't really heard of that much before this year, um, to a deal, they also signed Steve Chizek, who um, is older. He's 33, but he, over the past three years and on four different teams, has posted a lower than three ERA. So I'm pretty happy with making the bullpen better on the White Sox by signing signing Chizek. Uh, let's see, what else do we got? We got Jimmy Nelson signing with the Dodgers. Uh, I think it's always good to have a proven starter, a veteran, like what the Mets did with Waka and with Porcello. I think those are pretty good arms to bring in, all those guys, including Jimmy Nelson, um, especially with the Dodgers. I know they got rid of Ryu, who had trouble with innings, but I'm not sure how much Walter Bueller is going to pitch because they want to probably limit him. And same thing with, uh, why am I blanking on Clayton Kershaw's name? Because it's Clayton Kershaw, that's why. Anyway, um, they'll probably limit those guys, right? The starting pitchers, they usually do that, or they usually get hurt. So bringing in a veteran arm, unapproved deal which this is i think is pretty sweet and pretty good for the dodgers uh the last thing i want to go over is the mookie deal <laughs> there is no mookie deal rather the non-existent the trade rumor mookie deal i just don't understand how you could move a star like him in a day where there's no salary cap i know there's a luxury tax i know there's other stuff that limits or attempts to limit the cap there really is no cap so i don't understand why you would ever move someone like mookie for cap reasons he is i'm he's not a is he a generational talent would people? I think people would say that. I'm not saying that, but I think people would say that. So moving him for cast face is just insane to me. I don't know how you can justify that to an organization. I don't know how. Well, I know how you can be a fan after that because there are still Packers fans after Brett Favre <laughs> I went to like the Vikings. Anyway, I'm going on a tangent. Whatever. Um, so yeah, I just don't think he'll get moved. Um, I'd love to see offers that team gave, uh, or would have given, or would give the Red Sox for him, but I don't think a deal is like gets on. Uh, the last thing I want to go over is I think it might be fun at the end of this podcast or the semi-end. I want to do like a little note at the end, but I think at the end of the podcast, I'm just going to do like a Twitter fun fact. So I just found this tweet uh, from Jim Passen at at Jim. At P-A-S-S-O-N-J-I-M. Um, it looks at Zach Granky's 600 career plate appearances and Billy Hamilton's last 600 career plate appearances. And I just want to read it out because I think it's pretty funny. Um, Granky has 177 hits, tw- uh, Yeah, 29 doubles, 9 home runs, 49 home runs. Oh my God, I read that totally wrong. Holy shit. He has 177 hits, 29 doubles, 9 home runs, 49 runs, 34 RBIs, 113 strikeouts, 26 walks with a slash line of uh you know slash lines probably look better when you like write them out than when you say them so i'm probably gonna ignore that but they have around the same batting average the same slugging same obp and same ops that's all i'm gonna say i'm not gonna read their slash lines fucking dumb so billy tamilton has 123 hits that's like 50 less than Granky. 24 uh doubles one home run compared with Granky's nine 65 runs a lot more than granke are actually like 16 more than Granky. Still a decent amount more. 25 RBIs. 10 less than Granky. 137 strikeouts. It's way less than 20 strikeouts less than Granky. And he has 46 walks, which is almost double Granky's. But I find that pretty hilarious or pretty fun stat, even though both Granky and Billy do things a lot better not at the plate than other people do. So overall, this is semi moot. But like Billy's obviously a good defensive replacement and he's good on the base path. And Granky's obviously a really good pitcher. So they do different things, or they do better. They do a lot. They're a lot better at baseball than their like batting stats would lead lead you to believe. So these are kind of just fun. Don't really mean much. Besides, it's kind of striking. Um. Anyway, I want to get to a, you know, editor's note or a podcaster's note, a me note at the end of this, just real quick about going forward and stuff like that. So let me tell you real quick. Um. I don't. I don't know. I. This one person format is interesting and allows me to get my ideas off and allows me to say things in the exact way I want them because I've got a script. But I feel like I do better when I podcast, when I talk to someone because I'm able to bounce off them, use energy and question them and have like a better, more entertaining podcast when someone comes on. So I might look to see if I can find a host or something to maybe do like a little repartee with at some point. But right now I'm going to keep going with the solo act. I I think I'm providing useful information, getting my ideas out, and getting it out the way I want it to get out, which is probably pretty good, but I think it'd be more entertaining or more fun if I could go back and jab at some people and argue with some people and do some more of that stuff, so I'll probably be looking for someone to podcast with me in the future, Um, and I might also keep these episodes as well. I, I like doing the updates. I like getting my ideas out in another format that's not just writing, so you know, keep a keep an eye out for that. And uh, if you know anyone that wants to podcast and that's available a lot, because I'm available a lot and I want to do it, um, just drop me a line and let you know. Okay, uh, thanks for listening, guys. Um, yay! Check out episode one. Check out episode two. And when number three comes out, you should watch that too. Oh, and go to the website, obviously at bakinggames.com. Duh. Okay, bye.